It is episode 112 of the Sims and Lefko podcast, and whoa, I know there is whoa, a... Whoa, whoa, I mean, let it breathe a little. Let the music, let the viewers, the uh, listeners <laughs> get pumped up. No viewers anymore, Chris. Damn. You like the song. I don't know. I just I mean, you just let it play for like three seconds, and it's just... Bam, left I got over. excited. We have a lot of shit to get to. All right, right? let's get We to didn't it. do any draft thing before, so all the Sims and Lefko listeners that have been very patient, I appreciate you. It is episode 112. I know that there are a lot of 12s in the history of the NFL. A ton. But I am only saying one, and it is Randall Cunningham. <laughs> and for me, everybody else is a distant second. Randall. What are the other 12s that come to mind? I mean, Brady, Rich Gannon, Terry Bradshaw, Roger Stahlbach, Aaron Rodgers, Phil Simms in college at Moorhead State. Mm. Um, those are the ones that resonate the most with me. Randall, I have a good story. You know, Randall. Was this the, you going to tell the story about Cade McNown? No, this no, that was I, an amazing story. You're, I should, when the hell did we I tell that? We told that story uh, over the draft. Over the draft. If you want to tell it again now, because we're going to recap the draft. But what's your other story? Uh, okay, so Randall, uh, you know, I was obsessed with him growing up. You know, when How I was, could you not be? Yeah, right. I mean, I hated him twice a year when he played the Giants, but he was like the Michael Vick of that era, right? Let's just and say. The moves he made against the Giants right. were incredible. I mean, he always would make like one or two plays where he had no business making, and he would make it, and they'd win the game. The Giants couldn't beat them. But So I go to the quarterback challenge, I think in like 1991, and he, I mean, first of all, couldn't have been better, but I mean, I was literally like the 11-year-old stalker kid. Like the whole weekend, like more than Magic Johnson, because uh, <laughs> when you met Magic, <laughs> yes. you were a stalker. I was. I never followed Magic to his hotel room, and I followed Randall. Stop. I did. Me and my your friend, dad let you do this. I don't think he really realized what we were doing. But Randall was being so nice to us, and every time we had to go to a, any event for the quarterback challenge, this is where we were. We were out in Hawaii for the quarterback challenge. And Randall would be there, and he was always just so nice to me, and I was just like, oh, he's so cool, and I'd go hang out with him. But, yeah, a friend of mine uh, who I had on the trip with me, yeah, we, like, followed him to his room, tried to bust in his room. He pushed us out. But the coolest thing about Randall, man, like three weeks after the trip, got come home from school one day, all this Eagles Randall Cunningham stuff at my house. Stuff. Water bottles, hats, T-shirts. All signed. Not even signed, but they were all just Randall stuff. Yeah. I'll be, he'd gotten hurt. I'll be back running. All those kind of things. And did, did you have the rep amongst professional athletes when you were growing up as like, oh, here's Phil Simms' kid again, just here to bother us and ask <laughs> for free shit? No, no. I didn't. I, I was not, my dad was not the type to bring us around to too many events. Okay. So I think I was the only quarterback challenge I ever went to. And then I went to one after he was retired and he was actually working for NBC. And then the Magic Johnson thing was at a quarterback challenge as well. It was it might have been the same damn trip. Uh, that was a big stalking event for you. He was there. Yeah. Magic was there. And I mean, yeah, Magic. you're right. So tell the Kate McNown. So this is one of the highlights of our draft experience. We were on Facebook Live for five hours on Thursday for five hours on Friday. And then Nelson Miller and Felder took us home on Saturday. A uh, lot of great reviews. A lot of people reaching out to us and telling us how fun it was. A lot of podcast listeners in the comment section, too. It yes. seemed like it. The number of people that I saw asking where the Survivor Kid was, it was an honor. Yes. Really, yeah, was you honor. were at home watching. Well, 
well, they, and they were the podcast listeners were the ones sticking because I was getting made fun of for my nice grades in the second round, right? And the podcast listeners were the ones going, "No, if you've listened to the podcast, these are the guys he's been most excited exactly. about." Exactly. So, exactly. So we appreciate all yeah. you guys. Um, but yeah, your Cade McNown story. Oh, my Cade McNown story. So yes, my senior year in high school, I am uh, the number one quarterback in the country, and I have to go out to Denver for it's the quarterback club. They're doing like best college, high school, and NFL quarterback. This is the year that the Broncos beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl, right? And in that Elway's same, second Super Bowl. Second Super Bowl. In that same year, the, the Falcons had beat the Minnesota Vikings and Randall Cunningham Who in the were 15 NFC Championship. Exactly. NFC Championship, 15 to 1. They lose that game big and upset. Randall had this incredible comeback season. Incredible year. With so Randy and, Moss's rookie year. Exactly. No, that, this was, uh, you're right. It was Randy Moss's rookie year. Excuse me. And then, so they do that. Uh, so Randall and Elway won the Pro Award, the NFL Quarterback Award. Cade McNown was the college kid, and then I was the high school kid. So That's the, funny. the day before the event, I'm in this room, and I'm signing autographs with Elway and Randall Cunningham on football. <laughs> I was like, to get, I don't know what they're wow. giving them out to people that attend That's this cool dinner. That's a cool moment. They right. were at the same table. I really was. And I had known both of them a little bit. So. Eligibility be damned, by the way. Oh, right. Those <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and it, it's funny uh, just because, I, you know, of course, I knew them a little growing up, seeing them here and there. But though, so we're there, we're doing it. There's no Cade McNown yet, and then he walks into the room, and I, you know, it'd be better if I could show you. But he walks in the room with sunglasses on, a leather jacket, totally Hollywood, UCLA quarterback, yeah. totally Hollywood. But he's on his cell phone, and he doesn't even bother to get off it to introduce himself to Elway or Randall County game. He just gives them a little like head nod, head, head nod. What's up? And sticks his hand out. Like real and limp like, wrist. And looks at him like, yeah, you're cool. And then he looks at Elway and goes, yeah, you're cool. And then he kind of like turns around and finishes his conversation. And I can still remember I Elway and Randall looking at each other just going, they looked at each other and they both shook their head. Like, who the fuck uh, is this? Exactly kid? right. Uh, so th- that was my, my quick story there. Uh, Sims, uh, we had a lot of cool things with our draft. Uh, one, I peer pressured you into calling Kyle Shanahan yep. uh, after his pick of Solomon Thomas in the trade. That was really awesome. Did you ever reveal what Kyle said to you on the phone? Yeah. What did he say? We had people tweeting in asking what Kyle told you when you talked to him. He literally answered the phone. He was like, what, dude? I don't have a lot of time to talk. Yeah, because you got <laughs> so serious. I didn't so think quick. there was any way he was going to answer. I was really just doing it to be like, oh, it'll be funny for the Facebook viewers. And then he answered the phone, and it, it did. It, th- it totally rattled me. Uh, and I, of course, didn't want to say anything that was going to compromise him. So you or did the team. typical, hey, man, you're kicking ass, dude. I said that, right. And uh, The obvious assumption there being that most teams in their war rooms have a feed of you guys up on Facebook Live, <laughs> just in case there's any insight that they could use to of affect course. their own draft. Of course, of course. Uh, it was good. They got Nelson reacting to the Trubisky trade, and that was funny. You reacted uh, to I Barnett. I fro- freaked out about Derek Barnett, and I've had a lot of Eagles fans being like, why do you hate the Derek Barnett pick? Just because we've talked about it here. It, yeah. it was literally the one guy I didn't want. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of fun moments. I, I have this clip. Felder sent it to me. Um, this was one point where uh, Nelson uh, tossed it over to Miller about uh, his cell phone case. And this is one of the funnier things I think I've said in a long time. Uh, Logan Best has nothing to say about Cleveland. Just wants to let Miller know that he's got the ugliest phone case ever. Well, it's to support it's to support AIDS, actually. So, uh, how do you feel now? Yep. Wow. Wait, you're in support of AIDS? No, the money goes to uh, AIDS research <laughs> in Africa, actually. Oh, that's awesome. So, so I, I, I just dying. thought 
Oh, man. We, it was a lot of fun. Um, it's cool to go live because you're watching it all flow. Um, so what I wanted to do was let's recap some segments that we've done in the past and see how we did in the draft. Top 10 predictions recap. Uh, final score, correct. In third place, Josh Fendrick with one correct. Uh, Cleveland selecting Miles Garrett. I didn't get a single pick, right? You didn't get 10. anything other than Miles wow, Garrett. That's amazing. Uh, in second place, Adam Lefko with three. Miles Garrett to Cleveland, Solomon Thomas to San Francisco, and Fournette to Jacksonville. So after four, nothing. And in first place, Chris Sims. Oh, baby. With four and a half. Garrett, Thomas, Fournette. He got Carolina taking McCaffrey, and oh. I gave you a half bonus point for saying that Mahomes would go number 10. Well, hold on. Does he get Solomon Thomas? Well, I guess he went to the 49ers, but he doesn't have the trade in there. So I Yeah, but I- we picked the right teams. Oh, okay. That's all he's just, saying. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I went through uh, a bunch of the people. You're right. That, Mahomes went 10. I forgot that. Yeah, you that. nailed that. Yeah. Uh, and we even had some people on Twitter going, hey, you're the only one that said he would go top 10. Uh, everybody else on Twitter, the high score was tied with me for three. So I appreciate everyone sending that into the Sims and Lefko podcast. Uh, but again, the safety's falling a lot further. Malik Hooker going 15. Jamal Adams going 6. O.J. Howard going all the way at 19. Jonathan Allen going all the way at 17. It messed up everybody's picks. But the four most predicted picks were Garrett to Cleveland, Thomas to San Francisco, Fournette to Jacksonville, and McCaffrey to Carolina. Right. And I, I, like, I'm just going to pat my – I did have Marshawn Lattimore to the Saints, and I did have Hassan Reddick to the Arizona Cardinals just outside the top you 10. Had a, you had a good amount. Uh, and I got lucky with the Marshawn Lattimore the more I hear about it because it sounds like they did want Marlon Humphrey, or at least yes. that's a rumor out there. Uh, so let me go on a little rant right here. Just, Ranted, baby! Just in terms of draft and bowl games. Right. We saw with Fournette and McCaffrey that from now on... And Jabril Peppers. If you're a primetime player, skip the bowl game. Skip it. Jalen Smith went down to the second round, lost all that money. We're still questioning his career. Fournette McCaffrey, two running backs taken in the top eight. Jake Butt, oh, he's cashing in on his insurance. Jake Butt got taken 145th. So, yeah, he's making like $100,000 in insurance. But how much money did he lose? Because he was seen as maybe a high second-round pick yeah. at the tight end position. Yeah, realistically, probably the end of the second round. But, you're but right. I look yes. at that and go... I am no longer judging these guys for skipping bowl games. But now I'm taking it a step further because we established that. Sidney Jones tears his ACL in his workout and goes 43rd. Right. Lost all that money. He's going to have to wait again the next year with his Achilles tendon. Is he going to be okay? You know who went fucking fifth? Corey Davis. Corey Davis didn't run at the combine. Corey Davis didn't run at the pro day. So if it doesn't matter if you run, like, it used to be like, oh, Brashad Perryman didn't run at the combine, but he ran at his pro day, and he ran a four one seven. We're going to draft him. Apparently, you don't have to run at the combine or the pro day, and you can go top five. So my thing now is to these players, why participate in anything? Thank you. NBA players, are, the big ones are no longer going to the NBA combine. They're not. Yeah. They might do interviews, and that's what I think Corey Davis did. He does the interviews. He shows his personality. But why even put things on tape if you're expected to be a top guy? I, because if yeah. you bust your shit up, you're losing millions of dollars. Yeah. So my advice to the top people next year, if you are the LaMarcus, uh, who's the guy at Louisville? 
Oh, you're the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm blanking on his name. Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Do not perform at your pro day. Do not perform at the combine. Don't play in your bowl game unless you're in the playoffs. Seriously. It is a waste of time, and God forbid you're a Jalen Smith, a Jake Butter, a Sidney Jones. You could cost yourself millions of dollars and a year or two of success in the NFL. Why yeah. play in the playoffs? Just because it actually matters? Well, because, yeah, well, now now you're going for something There's something there. I mean, yeah. as and, a player. And then you get to Sean Watson and, and his success in the playoffs. That leads to something. But the, at least, yeah, you're playing for something. Right. Those meaningless bowl Are games, not. the Advocare Car Care Bowl or the Beef O'Brady's Bowl, or even, like, if you're at the next tier, it doesn't matter. You're not playing for a championship. Get the fuck out of here. I'm not playing. Yeah. Hey, you, you, I think you're the, you're the man for saying that. That's seriously. I mean, it really is. It's great. It is. It's all a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, and if you're Lamar Jackson, just throw next year at your pro combine and your pro day. Don't do any of the workout. No. You're right. All of it is stupid, pointless, a bunch of needless bull crap. And as you could see, oh, he didn't run at the combine, but he runs at his pro day, and he runs this time, even though that's not comparable to the combine because it's not a laser finish. Right. But we're still going to put this number next to his name for the rest of his life, even though he didn't run on the same competitive platform as the other guys who have the same 40 time as him so that's I don't think Marshawn Lattimore ran at the combine no he there did was not. a lot of guys and and yet we look at certain guys that elect to skip the combine and we punish them and we say that oh they don't have it and they don't their competitive juices flowing you know what else they don't have a guaranteed contract yeah so I just I, I just realized that I was looking at Corey Davis and I went through my notes and I went oh I don't have his 40 time his shuttle his oh that's right because he never ran and he still went top five they don't have to participate in anything. Well, listen, I think that was one of the dumber picks in the first round for my money, the, yeah. the, for him to go number five. And he is, the, he is the guy that, you know, every now and then there's a guy that benefits from not doing anything. And his film is kind of clean, like we've talked about. He's a right. good route runner. Uh, he's got very good hands. Doesn't anything we questioned was really his physical eliteness. And he was able to avoid it. He was that. able to avoid it. And somebody yes. still bit the hook. They and did. Speaking of biting um, yeah. the hook, uh, I think the story early on was the 49ers and John Lynch hustling Ryan Pace and then getting the Mitchell Trubisky to trade up and all that stuff. Uh, one, do you believe that there was actually another team, or do you think John Lynch is being kind to Ryan Pace's ego? I think he's being kind to Ryan As Pace's ego. Right. Uh, the Mitchell Trubisky reaction. Yeah. I believe that giving up two-thirds and a fourth to guarantee you getting the franchise quarterback I don't think is as much as everyone thinks it is. Agreed. I just found it to be very unnecessary because I can't believe you believe that the Niners actually had something. Right. But I can understand. But two, for John Fox, Dow Logan's the offensive coordinator, for no one to know, what do you think of that from a front office perspective to not tell anybody and to keep it that much of a secret, which I commend them on, but also question? Yeah, well, uh, this is where I'm – and maybe you've read more than I, than I have. But the John Fox situation, I mean, first of all, I, I thought that maybe he would said he did know a little bit or that, the, that Pace came out and said, you're crazy if you don't think we informed him a little. Yeah, I think they tried to cover it cover up after it up. the fact. Either way um, – I think you have to involve the head coach in that conversation. I do. This and is if, his job. Yes, now. and if they didn't do that, that, that is wrong on their part. Now, did it involve the offensive coordinator and all that? I'm at fine. They don't need to involve those people. All mm. they need is the evaluation from your position coaches. What do you think of these guys? Yes, and then we don't. I, we're You're not making this call, OC. No, they're not making this call, the OC. And why do you think this 
whole maneuver went down and nobody had any inkling about it because they didn't tell anybody except his right-hand men in the front office and maybe he let a John Fox know. Do you think that Mitchell Trubisky was worth the second pick in the draft? Realistically, is he a is he a future Pro Bowl quarterback that could lead a team to the playoffs? I do think he is. Yes, okay. I do think he has that kind of potential. Do yes. you have more confidence in him than Mike Glennon? Um, I think as a as a yes as a ceiling, I do. He is more of an upside to me than than Glennon for sure. We, look, we saw the precedent set last year. Right. Sam Bradford, big contract. Right. Eagles, they had insurance. They were able to trade him after a tragedy to Teddy Bridgewater and yep. get something back for Sam Bradford. And went with Carson Wentz, but. I know I'm. I feel like I'm being a little counterintuitive, like counter to everybody else. If you believe that Mitchell Trubisky is a franchise quarterback, then if you want to go up and get him and build your franchise around him, I'm not against it's that. It's not against it either. Yeah, was it a little rich in the price? Certainly. Yes. Did they get held hostage a little bit? Yes, certainly. But again, your point is valid. I mean, first off, you have a guy that you think can be the leader of your franchise for years to come at the quarterback position, which there's certainly a little bit more of a premium there than the other 21 positions on the field. Then you go and do that. And the thing that I get a kick out of with this bullshit, too, is you know, today I've read a few articles here and there just like, you know, as we were getting ready to fil- shoot this and go, there's a few people like in the, the writings NFL world who are backing off of it now because they found out that Trubisky was the top-rated quarterback on most teams' boards. No shit. What, yes. the, what the hell did you think? Yes, what do you mean? Anybody that knows anything about quarterbacking uh, has been telling you that Trubisky was the number one rated guy on the draft. That, that, that didn't just come out of thin air. That yes. wasn't like stupid Mike Mayock, Deshaun Kaiser's number one right. until 10 days before the draft. No, anybody, McShay's, the Kuypers, all of them have been across the line. Myself, you, you just read enough in football, you know enough, and if you have evaluated film, Trubisky was the highest rated quarterback in the draft by almost everybody except for a few teams that had Patrick Mahomes as the number one uh, player. I will also say this. So they gave away two-thirds and a fourth. The odds of those guys being impact players, I would say 15% or less. Yeah. So we always talk about picks. We celebrate the Browns when they get six picks for Julio Jones and then none of them are still on the roster. We celebrate the Rams. Or we celebrate the Titans for getting all those picks in the Jared Goff trade. Yeah. You still need to hit on those. Yes. A franchise quarterback is so hard to find that you go up and you get him. Yeah. I, it's, this, it's my potential theory. Oh, look at all these picks. The number one thought leader in the NFL does not give a fuck about the draft anymore. Right. The New England Patriots do not care about the draft. The Patriots' first-round pick was Brandon Cooks. Their second-round pick was Coney Ealy. Their fourth-round pick was Dwayne Allen. And their fifth-round pick was Mike Gillisley. They do not care (laughs) care about the draft anymore. So all these people that get so excited about a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick, here's the truth. When the draft is over and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at your hall, I'm not looking at how you got those players. I'm looking at the players that you got. And that's the end. Who are you leaving with? The The Bears are leaving with Mitchell Trubisky. Whether or not they got a cornerback in the third or a safety in the fourth, they got their quarterback. And if he ends up panning out, this will be a celebrated draft for a very long time. The boldest move, setting the pace, it will say on the cover of the fucking Chicago Tribune. I mean, yeah. I, I don't really, uh, I, I don't really get the the public outcry over it either. I mean, it's not like uh, they can't sign free agents next year and fill the voids they need to. Mm. You're saving the money from not having to spend it on the draft picks. You're going to have money in free agency anyways. And like you just made your point with New England, 
they fill out holes every year without the draft. So it, it's not, like you said, there's more risk and boom or bust in the draft than people like to maybe come to the realization of sometimes it. until after the it's fact. Because they go, Why we, do they waste their pick on that? We talked about rounder? this earlier because we celebrate the fifth round Tyreek Hill. Yeah. We celebrate the undrafted Arian Foster. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. We talk about these guys that go so late and people don't realize that they're outliers, that that's like a one in 100. But they go, I mean, the amount of questions that we get on Facebook Live, people being like, talk about that sixth round pick, JP Huffin stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, guess what? He's a fucking special teamer that might not make the team yeah. but everyone goes everyone only thinks about the outliers and doesn't realize how fucking rare it is for them to actually be impactful yes. most fourth round pl- picks aren't successful in the nfl right it's, it's just a fact yeah that's I why mean, they're fourth round picks and huff and stuff i mean we'll have to do the evaluation yeah. on him but you know <laughs> very uh, very slow short area but even the, you know even your other points i mean to that to that all of that i mean even those are outliers with like asterisks next to them like yeah tyree kill was Definitely one of the 40, 45 best players in the draft last year, but because of the off the field yes. issues. Brady, I think, was valued higher than people realize, but he split time a little bit with the, uh, you know, the baseball kid, Drew, Drew Henson. Drew Henson, right? So that hurt people. And his body was really ugly. Well, I mean, and people got thrown off by that. You, I mean, it, like I said, it's, it, I checked the rule book. He was allowed to lift weights or actually look <laughs> like an athlete at the, going to the combine. And he was actually allowed to practice his 40 time, too. I mean, when you run 5 two, 6 in the 40, you're going to fall down the draft board. I don't exactly. care what position. So he has a little of himself to blame. But, yeah, the outliers are like one, it's more than one in a hundred. But we treat them like it's customary because we hear stories like this every year. Yes. But it's like one guy in the last 200 picks. Right. Also, if we're going to go after a team that moved up to get a quarterback, didn't you say last week on the podcast that Deshaun Watson to the Texans wouldn't make any sense because he's not a Billy O'Brien quarterback? I didn't think it would be. So yeah. I mean, just right, right off the bat there, the Trubisky one might even make more sense than that. No doubt. I mean, I, I look at that. And, and yes, I think Deshaun Watson has the hardest road to adjust to the NFL. Because of how difficult the Billy O'Brien yeah, offense it, is. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a different system. He's yeah. certainly not seen that in college, and he hasn't seen much in college in general. Yes. And even for an NFL quarterback to go learn the New England scheme, they would go, oh, this is a little different. Yes. I haven't been a part the of this o- The only thing that I will knock Pace on is his evaluation of value is wrong. He was negotiating against himself for Mike Glennon. Yeah. He was negotiating against himself, which means I don't think he has a lot of friends in the NFL circle to call. I, I don't know if I totally agree with that because the Jets were in the Mike Lennon conversation too. Okay. And so I do think he was negotiating against them a little bit. He still probably outpriced himself I think a he did. Yeah. All right, so let's remember we did the five guys that you were either in love with, liked, average, below, like, or did not like, and I wanted to see where they actually went. Uh, so we compared them to McShay, Kuyper, uh, our own Matt Miller, and Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, first one was Hassan Riddick. Uh, this was your love player. You said he was a top 10. Kuyper had him going to 11, and the other three had him going 17. I want to know what these mother effers, though, had when they're, you know, mock draft 1.74. This was like mock draft three. Yes. So this was like two or three weeks Because before. none of them had. I've been telling you, that's the one thing I will stand up. I've been telling you this dude was one of the 10 best players in the yeah. draft from day and one. And he went 13 to the Cardinals. All these guys had him up in the 20s, late 20s, until 10 days before the draft when they got wind 
They didn't study this and come up with their own revelation. Right. That's what bothers me about yes. this thing. They uh, got wind from people they know that, oh, no, you're wrong, guys. He's definitely yes. going to the top ten. And they go, Hassan Riddick, number 11 pick. Yeah, well, That's everyone else. It's a bunch else, of bullshit. It drives me crazy Well, they could, they could have had wind on a Dory Jackson, your like player. Yep. You said he should go middle first. He went 18th to the Titans. You nailed it. Everybody else had him going 28th or later, uh, some of them deep into the second round. Your middle guy... Corey Davis. Mm-hmm. You you liked him, but you yeah, didn't hate him. Right. Uh, you said a second round pick went fifth. The McShay had him going seventh. That's an interesting one, though. That I think you just did. You don't see it in him, and that's something we'll have to revisit in three to four years. Yes, definitely. Uh, Derek Barnett. Uh, you said Cowboys at twenty eight. Right. Uh, McShay had him going nine. Jeremiah sixteen. He ends up going fourteen to the Eagles. Yep. Uh, that's another one we'll have to wait in three or four years. And Jabril Peppers. Um. Yeah, I mean, all of them, Jeremiah's at 22, Kuiper's at 28, he goes 25th to the Browns. Yeah, definitely too high for me, no doubt about so it. So it's very interesting that uh, the two that you loved, Reddick and Jackson, you nailed it, and they went appropriate, they went around where you thought, and then Davis, Barnett, and Peppers were, in your mind, overdrafted. I Yes, definitely. I mean, I, I have actually, the Corey Davis is the most overdrafted one to me. Peppers, yeah, I didn't think Peppers was a first-round talent, like I always told you. Uh, I don't even think I would have taken him at the top of the second, really. But I think realistically that I, I would have had no problem anywhere between 25 and 50. Right. Uh, that, that would have been fine with me. So, so where he ends up, 25 with the Browns, fine. That's great. Derek but, Barnett makes sense to me. It, it, it really does because the Eagles clearly wanted to pass rusher. Yes. And at that point, it was either going to be Takaris McKinley. I don't think they felt comfortable in Jonathan Allen's shoulders. No, uh, Charles Harris. Taco Charlton, Charles Harris. So they liked him at 14. Miles Garrett was gone. I get it. But, yeah, Corey Davis – I mean, I don't even think he was the best wide receiver in this draft. He, he wasn't for To my, go first top five is a little crazy. I, I, I think so. For but a guy, maybe we're wrong. I just for, don't yeah, think we, we are. Yeah, we definitely could be wrong. And, and listen, again, the draft is – it's not about right or wrong. You're going to be wrong about some of these guys. It's about what you evaluate. And really, at the end of the day, when you're running a team, it's what you evaluate and what you think fits in your team. You now, I'll say this with Corey Davis. For them – now, this is John Robinson again. This is New England. Yeah, you, you were very surprised. Well, yeah, I, because, but, but yet not surprised because I know they pride themselves on the intellect part, maybe a hair too much. And I was going to say, if you think about the Titans wide receivers taken in the first round or later, DGB, physical freak, yeah. could pick up the game. Right. Uh, Wright, Kendall Wright, physical freak, Justin Hunter. They drafted a lot of physical guys that were unable to pick up the game. Corey Davis is the opposite. You're right. And I think maybe they just wanted something solid for Mariota. We say he's running a slant on five steps. He's going to give you a slant on five steps. I, I would say that's very true. Yes, I so think I that's think exactly what they're thinking is. Their past failures directed their future They wanted actions. a guy that they can, knew can contribute this year, like we have talked about before the draft. That's yes. what I was always saying. You needed to, if you want a guy that's going to contribute right away and you know he's going to be NFL ready to run every route from every position a receiver is asked to line up in, then Corey Davis is your guy. But to me, yes, I value a number five pick as a guy that I go – it doesn't matter what we fucking throw him or what we do. He can make a play. It doesn't really matter. That's how I value a number five. We throw him a screen. He can make three people miss yes. and run 40 more Corey yards. Corey Davis isn't doing that. He's not going to do I, that. I, I said this on, a, on the radio interview I just did about Derek Barnett, and they're asking me, why am I so down on the guy that broke Reggie White's sack record? I said, because there's three things that people like to talk about. He's young, he was productive, and he's really driven. Okay. 
Is he athletic? Because you didn't bring that up. Is he a freak? I want my first round pick for people to go, man, when this guy walks off the bus, you know he's a freak. Right. It's like when you go, I go, hey, Sims, man, I'm dating this girl, man. You're like, oh, yo, let me see a picture. I go, hold on. She's really cool. She's funny. She's down to earth. She's got a lot of money. She likes to do fun shit. And then you go, no, no, but I asked you to see a picture. Right. That's what I feel like with Derek Barnett. Right. Yo, can Derek Barnett get after the pass? He's got great hands. He always is really good at timing the snap count. That's the two things. You're telling me I got a pass rusher whose two best qualities are hand use, which means that he's maximized his potential, and two, he's good at timing the snap count? Time, so that means he's overcoming a lack of burst by guessing, which means he's going to get a few in, encroachment or offside penalties. Yeah. That's the thing. People don't listen when they talk, but they get so fucking wooed by he broke Reggie White's sack record. I know. That's, that's... Because you know who else did? Terrell Suggs. You know who drafted Terrell Suggs? Joe Douglas, the new scout, head scout for the Philadelphia Eagles. Terrell Suggs was like a once-in-a-generation dog yeah. that went out there and had like 20 sacks in a season. Oh, Derek Barnett had more sacks than Miles Garrett. Well, maybe because they fucking one-on-one Derek Barnett and they double and triple teamed uh, Miles Garrett. Yeah, well, what I, I don't know. I, I, no, I think I'm crazy sometimes. No, I, I, I get that totally, and I think that's all really valid and yeah i mean you know listen i heard the same things too of course that, that's the conversation that's all i ever hear about it broke some reggie white sack record i hate that crap yeah you're, you're right you talk about the timmy chang was like the all-time leading thrower colt brennan ty detmer i don't understand why people care this much about statistics no it's only i like i like right. yards per catch i like explosive i like broken tackles i like certain things but the overall huge stat accumulations they're just not that important well, I, to me. you know and then i always have a hard time like you know with guys like that when i've heard like you know the dedication or that whole word like i you know i question that when i hear that about guys like derek barnett and i don't want to sit here and slam derek barnett of course. i hope he proves me wrong i hope so too but to me like how dedicated can he be to have that body that would be my issue that, you, can so. you name the top three sackers in the history of college football no. You can't. Number three is Philip Hunt out of Houston. Oh, Number two is Philip. Bruce Miller out of UCF. Number one is Heoli Kikaha with 36, um, who was, what, a second-round pick? Yes. Uh, I mean, you got Von Miller up there at five, and there's some other ones, but Derek Barnett is seven. But the rest of this list, not a lot of great guys, no. just being honest. Well, okay, and what was, what was his total career sacks? His total career sacks, I have it. It's right here. Yeah, I would like to know this. It is uh, 32. Right, so this is what drives me absolutely fucking berserk about the draft, right? Because, like, I hate when one line is allowed to boost up a guy's performance, but then when somebody else has that same line, we're not going to use it to boost them up. So well, who didn't get the boost? I mean, to me, Demarcus Walker of Florida State, who has 30 career sacks, but nobody ever talks about production with him. That's where I, I don't really get it at times. I'm just like, where, uh, you know, let me see. I'm, I might be wrong. He has 28 career sacks, or yes. 20 and a half. But that's what drives me crazy is, you know, that. The, we can use the same storyline to help one guy, but another guy, nope, it doesn't help him. I don't care. You know, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes came from the spread offense. There's a little issue for me, but it's not for Jared Goff, the white quarterback out of Cal. That's, yes. that's not an issue. 
It's for some reason it's not. But for the two black kids coming from the spread, yes. I'm sorry. That's just where my mind went with that whole conversation. Um, so I, we weren't high on Derek Barnett, and uh, our own producer kid, hey. uh, Josh Fendrick, yeah, was yeah, whoa, whoa, not whoa. high on Malik McDowell, who went with the third pick in the second round to the Didn't Seattle Seahawks. I think I said I had him as a fourth or fifth rounder. <laughs> uh, my scouting report last week, I texted Sims right after the pick. I said I don't get it. The one thing I will say, though, yeah. there was a locker room and a team for Malik to go to and get his ass in gear because we know he's got motor issues. And that was Sims's point. It's the Seattle Seahawks. No doubt. It's, it's really Legion a perfect boom. place for a guy like Malik McDowell. He does. He has tremendous upside. He's got the tools. He but does. He needs some veteran leadership he to does. bring it out of him. No doubt. Really nice. Veteran leadership. Uh, yeah, some technique work. A rah-rah coach. No doubt. He's in the perfect spot. And, and this is a guy that. You know, you saw enough to go, okay, for that big of a guy, he does move really well. Yep. Like, it will not shock me if he's a superstar in, in two or three yeah, years. He could be an, Aaron, wrong, he could be an Aaron Lynch type of guy. He does. I mean, he could be even more than that. A he, Cassius Marsh or I mean, even better because th- this guy's, th- you know, th- this guy's big. He's almost 300 pounds, he's 295, six, seven, right? six, So he's a, he's a different animal. I'm just going to say this every time you mention the Seahawks from now on. If the Seahawks don't sign Colin Kaepernick, He's not going to get signed. No. It's a perfect situation. Trevon Boykin, arrest. They need a backup quarterback. They have a, a lacquer room that no, can handle and I think That's the that, only one to say. Did they sign Jake Heap? I believe they signed Jake Heap, which oh, is, yeah. I mean, they're wasting their time. But Yes. Uh, let's get a quick survivor recap. Man, Debbie out at the last travel uh, council. Oh, Debbie Downer. Damn. Uh, Debbie does Dallas. Little Debbie. Debbie does Dallas. Debbie uh, Downer. Uh, She fell victim to a classic survivor case of thinking you're in control of the game on top of your alliance. Oh, all of a sudden I'm too comfortable. Another alliance gets the numbers and votes me out. Man. Number one takeaway, you never get too comfortable on Survivor. iTunes reviews. Yeah. So I'm going to start with iTunes this week, and then we'll go to Twitter. So He's learning. This first one that I'm going to read, it's honestly too long for me to read the entire yeah, thing. Yeah, give so me I've the cliff notes. Uh, Chatting Football by Mikey Pickham, five stars. <laughs> I love the name. <gasps> the Sims and Lefko podcast is like going to the local bar and chatting up some football with your man friends. <laughs> with your man friends? Sims, of course, brings his projector and highlight reel to show everyone what's up in the world of football. Oh, God, and what Lefko, do I bring? what a straight dude. <laughs> Men want to be him. Women want to date him. But we all want to hear his wonderful voice like a silk cloth rubbing against my ear. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love it. You this can say <laughs> this podcast is like the Patriots, a beautiful, well-oiled machine. P.S. I'm not a Survivor fan, but I do enjoy the producer man's recaps. Producer man. And everyone's reactions as if no one on earth knows what the hell he is talking about. Yeah. Well, he's a producer boy. He's not a man. He this doesn't have a, any hair on his balls yet. So Mike, Mikey Pickums <laughs> Mikey or whatever. Pick had a few words in there that I'm like, the, he might be a robot or an alien. He said, with your man friends. <laughs> uh, man, uh, that's so great. cloth rubbing against my ear. I like uh, it. Thank and you, Mikey Pickham. he compared us to the New England Patriots. He that's did. the part I, I heard. Love that. I uh, love that. Okay, next iTunes review. Thank you. You're not review. Bill Belichick, though, just thank so you, you know. Uh, Dave Malazzo and Dom, awesome podcast, five stars. Thank you. Big fan of the podcast. Enjoy the effort you guys put in. I'm a Giants fan. Wondering what your take on Davis Webb is, mm. and can he be Eli's predator? Yeah, very rare that you successor. Yeah, very rare. That Eli you is Davis Wedge's successor. Yeah, right, right. Uh, very rare that you could say a third round pick could actually be a successor. But I, I do think this is a rare case and where that could that could be. Uh, Webb, as we've talked about before on past podcasts. Excuse me, I just ate my rice and beans. Is that Ugh. Davis Webb has some first round has a lot of first round traits. I mean, size is a skill. You always hear me say that. 
for some reason at the quarterback position that doesn't really ever get evaluated that way when people talk about it. Yeah. But size does matter as a quarterback. I mean, the ability of the people around you not being able to step into throws, those are all long arms, big shoulder guys who can make those throws and not have who to. Who did you like more out of Cal, Davis Webb or Jared Goff? Oof, I, listen, I was more excited watching the pro- – like his film probably wasn't as good as Jared Goff's last year, but I'm more excited about Davis Webb's upside than I am Jared Goff. They came out today, uh, the, the Giants did, McAdoo, and said it's not Eli Manning's role to mentor him. Yep. Uh, I think people don't realize sometimes what mentoring is. I think – if, if Eli goes about his business and he's doing what he needs to do, that's mentorship. I think when we ever hear about a quarterback mentoring, it's like, oh, he's going to pull him aside and be like, you know, kid, when you take over the reins, make sure he loves it when you throw it to the outside. That's <laughs> not how it fucking works. It's, um, I, I always go back to the story about Chase Daniel being around Drew Brees and seeing how Drew Brees had a schedule that every 10 minutes it was, it was motivated. And then he took that and then went on. Drew Brees didn't sit there and went, Chase, I'm going to mentor you. Here's my schedule. Yeah, he just did it, and then you learn from that. Yeah. You can learn from a boss without your boss pulling you aside. No doubt about that. And that's that's all that there is to it. But, yeah, Webb, athletic, he could be the guy. athletic, big hands, can really throw it, not going to have any problem throwing yeah. in the elements. I'm, in the I'm excited Coast. for people to realize, too, when they see NASA in the preseason and then Webb, what, how, how big the gap is. Oh, yeah. Because I'm, I'm happy for the NASA storyline to be over. I hear you. It's over. It Twitter questions? Yes. Yeah. Right, yeah. We yeah, got yeah, a lot, yeah. so we'll we'll bank through these. Uh, first one. Whichever one your favorites are. Keon Monroe at Rams Fanatic 81. Keon. What was your evaluation on Cooper Cup? I've heard people say he's the best wide receiver in the class. Then other people say he's highly overrated. I liked Cooper Cup a whole lot. I mean, to me, the guy I wrote down in my notes as I was evaluating was Chris Hogan of the New England Patriots. I think, you know, realistically – he got picked like right around where he should have been. I think I valued him, and, and I said on our prior, prior podcast, like late second round, mm. early third round type of kid. But along the lines of like a Corey Davis as far as he's ready, pro, pro game ready. Which is very right good away. for a young quarterback. No Similar doubt about philosophy. it. Yes, and, and especially in a Sean McVay offense, which is definitely a little more complex and complicated yes. like Kyle Shanahan's offense. They use the slot receiver in so many different ways, and you have to learn a, do- a lot of different rules if you're that slot receiver yes. according to the coverages or according to how the play's called in the huddle. And that's where he's he has great value. Yes. Yeah, He's not going to be catching screens and going 70 yards. You know what touchdown. I like, too? They lost Kenny Britt. He's 6'2". Yes. He's got some size. Right. The Rams need to get size for all the Tavon Austins. They're, they're fine, yeah. but you need a bigger guy. No, no, yeah, because you can't always depend on guys like that on third and seven, and you go, well, man, Tavon Austin's locked down. Yes. What do I do now? Where guys like Cooper Cup, when they're locked down, they're still big enough to go, I'm going to throw it to him because he's got a big yeah. catch Hope, radius, and he th- can go They're, they're definitely hoping that him and then Gerald Everett can be the future oh, weapons of golf. No doubt. Carl at Carl Cervantes 15. Why TF? Did the Giants take Evan Ingram with Joku still on the board? Adam, mm. do you want to translate that for Sims? Why, do you know what that means? Uh, YTF? Uh, hold on. Something the fuck. Why no, the no, fuck? You, no, no. Yeah, you know. Why the fuck? <laughs> Something the fuck. <laughs> why no, no, the why didn't he just do y- WTF, I guess, because he didn't. Well, WTF is what, what? the fuck. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> why did they draft Ingram yeah, with you answer still this on the one. board? Uh, that is a – this is my only thing I can really come down to, really. I would have taken Joka, so that let's just get that off the off the board. But I also look at it and go, this is the Giants, aka Green Bay Packers to a degree, aka three wide, everybody run, 
Exactly right. I mean, there, there's two run. They have two run plays in their Do, offense. When you was Evan down, Ingram a better matchup nightmare than Joku? Like, if you're just going route running, yes, he is. He's so a, he's a better receiver than Joku. He is. Yes. You believe that Joku was a better overall player? I do. Right. And I think they look at Ingram as a hybrid tight end wide receiver. Totally agree. And I think they just looked at him as a weapon. No doubt about and it. And I think when you look at Odell, Sterling Shepard's not going to require a double team. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are other wide receivers. Uh, Brandon Marshall. I think you can get away with one guy but Ingram is going to take another guy he's not a tight end that you can just pass from a linebacker to a safety he needs someone on him where Joku I don't think would have been a much of it of a threat no, in the no you weren't going to line him up in the slot and do different things this this kid's going to do Jordan Reed type stuff that you've seen it's in, a nasty in four wide receiver it, set if you go Odell Brandon Marshall Sterling Shepard Evan Ingram and you either have a Perkins or a Wayne Gallman in the backfield it's phenomenal and, and, and they and can the, run their slant flat combinations up all, the ass. All day long. All day In fact, long. That's, I had some text messages with some friends about that whole thing. Like, you know, I had friends that were in the NFL. They're like, why would they go Evan Ingram there? And I go, slant flat. Four verticals. I mean, that's that's, that's what they all they do. run. They don't really want to pretend like they're going to run the football. They just want to run just enough so you have to somewhat stay honest, so they can throw it more. That's really what the Packers do. Yeah. You know, and, and of course the Giants. But I'll, I'll say this about Ingram. People are, in my estimation, a little bit undervaluing his blocking ability. Okay. He is not a wuss. This is not like some slot receiver who doesn't like to hit people. He, I watched him play Alabama. I watched every play. He's not afraid to go in there and mix it up. Now, will he get overpowered at times? Yeah, he will. He's 234, and when a 290-pound Jonathan Allen hits him, he's going to move back, yes. But it's not like he's like – turning his head and like, oh, gosh, don't hit me, guys. Yeah. I mean, he goes in there the and one thing his body I, right. The one thing I really like about the pick, Cowboys are an inside-out team. Washington does not have a good secondary. Philadelphia's secondary stinks. Uh, the Giants are trying to be the one team in the division that's willing to go vertical, and the Cowboys are the main competition, and they want to slow the game down. Yeah. So I like the philosophy there of the Giants going – we're going to spread you out, and thus we're going to put more pressure on your offense by us putting up points. Question is, are we going to get first half of the Green Bay Packers, Eli Manning, yeah. or are we going to get the entire season, Eli Manning? That's exactly right. Three more right. questions. Uh, zero chaos at zero underscore chaos. To Sims, do you agree with Kyle that Bethard could be the next Cousins? Any similarities between them worth a third-round pick? Okay, so that's a good question. Um I do think I, I understand like what Kyle's saying about the Kirk Cousins comparisons. There's a little similar style there. Uh, they both, it, it, the motion is similar. Uh, I think when you really watch them on film, you go, oh, okay, he, you know. This is C.J. Beathard, the quarterback out of Iowa that right. the Niners traded up for in the third round. Right, and and he it, he does have a natural throwing motion. There's no doubt about it. Uh, would I have traded back up into the third round to get C.J. Beathard? No, I would not have. I, I do not think he would be a very poor man's version of Kirk Cousins to me. Now, Beathard, like, I had some teams, you know, after Kyle, like, what's your boy thinking? Like, uh, we had him as undrafted, and I <laughs> wouldn't have drafted this guy, and blah, blah, blah. Or he was a seventh rounder on our board. I think he was better than that. I think in my eyes, I probably looked at him as like a late fourth, early fifth rounder. Okay. But, again, just like we talked about with Trubisky, if you like a guy – at the quarterback position, right. and you believe in him, if you have to take him 40 spots early in the third round, who gives a damn, right? So I have no issue with that altogether. Now, to say, like, Kirk Cousins was a guy. What did Kirk Cousins get drafted in the third round? Could you double-check that to me? Stand by, Ghost Rider. But, like, Kirk Cousins was a guy. Third or fourth? At the time, I think, you know, I was. I was fourth round. Of fourth the round. Draft. I was in New England, and 
I can remember Kyle and I having this conversation about Kirk Cousins because he was asking me a little bit, just like, you know, who's some of the under-the-radar guys you like? And I was like, you know, the Kirk Cousins guy is like somebody that jumps out to me. I think he's like one of the better quarterbacks in this draft class. So I looked at Kirk Cousins as being like a guy that was drafted in the fourth, but really, to me, looked like he was like an end-of-the-second-round type mm-hmm. talent to, in my eyes, where – Bethard, he get, gets the end of the third, but I, I, it was the opposite. I thought he should have been farther down the road. Gotcha. Uh, but he's been in a pro-style offense. He's from football lineage, and he's a decent little athlete. Uh, but, you know, evaluating him, yeah, I wasn't, can't say that I was overly – like, he can make all the throws, but he loses control of the ball when he has to throw the ball down the field or outside the numbers with any pace. He's more Did of a, Kyle go to his pro day in Iowa, do you think? I don't even know that. Okay, because apparently he killed it at his pro day. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I heard. That'll be something to watch. I haven't though. talked to Kyle since post-draft, so I, I don't know what his yeah. thoughts there yet. Peter at Peter underscore Fox 21. Why did the Bills fire Whaley directly after the draft? Were they disappointed in the picks, or was this planned before? I kept reading that this was McDermott's draft and that Doug Whaley was sitting on the sideline. I know it's been described and explained in the past, but the Buffalo Bills, the draft room starts after the draft. And I don't think firing them, I think they did it correct the right way. I just think the timing, people are like, I can't believe they fired him now. Oh, so you'd rather they fire in January and start over the draft like seven months after everybody else no did? Doubt. That's when their season starts. I Here, I always think that our year starts after the draft because the draft feels like our big end of the year thing. But no, I, I think the Bills did it the right way. 100%. And anyone that's that says it is just trying to be like, man, what a dysfunctional franchise no you, you this is when the season starts yeah. now are they gonna have a hard time finding a job maybe but what what who's gonna look to hire doug whaley anyway no it, he's gonna they're gonna find a gm that they need and you're exactly right why mess up the process and make everything do, so disorganized for a new head coach who's coming in on the fly anyways in january right he's getting there and all of a sudden they're gonna go oh we're gonna fire our you know, GM and all those draft reports and everything that was there available gone. to you, gone, out the window. We're not putting any credence into it anymore because we're bringing in a new, a new regime. That doesn't make sense. So, no, this was the right way to do it for the owner, uh, Pagula, right? Am I saying yes. that right? Yeah, that, I, I agree. Whaley's there. He gave McDermott the power. He could certainly ask Whaley questions about players or things he's seen over the year. He can get to Whaley's scouts and go, you know, you've been at Florida State three times in the last three years. Yeah. What's this guy like? Whatever it may be. And that's where you get a lot of value from a lot of the front office a scout smooth types. transition yes. of power. So, and now they can get a guy that McDermott likes or yeah. would like to get involved with. Well, that's incredible. It's, it's incredible to me, too, when I factor in the guys that did come in right away, like a Chris Ballard at Indy, and I look at how much I kind of liked their draft getting Malik Hooker and go, man, they really they turned that around quick. But I'm sure he was scouting already He's all at over Kansas it. City. Yes, yes. Uh, and I know for anyone's thinking, it looks like they're trying to get uh, the guy from Carroll Carolina to come up to be their GM. Who is the one of the guys from Carolina in the front office okay. that McDermott had worked with? Okay. Uh, last question, Mark Bajant, longtime friend of the podcast hey. at 007 Sports. How do locker rooms respond to guys that have serious off-field incidents? Are they welcomed? That coming off of D.D. Westbrook, Caleb Brantley, and Joe Mixon all getting drafted. How do locker rooms respond when guys come in with uh, with off-field incidents? Usually, no judgment at all. They're going to make their judge. You know, it, you got to remember, too, like Fendrick is like uh, your, your uh, locker room's a group of guys who have been labeled before they've ever said a word or anything their whole life anyway. Yep. So they've learned the lesson to go, I'm not going to judge too quickly. 
because it's always they've all heard the negative shit about themselves, themselves, or even the positive stuff that might not be true. You just start to realize, like, man, people have already told me what I do on the field really well, and they haven't even seen me yet, or the way I am off the field, they've never even talked to me yet. So lo- locker rooms are very welcoming from that standpoint. They're gonna let their actions from this point forward mm. speak for them, and also most guys in a locker room, uh, you know, especially the older players that are in the higher twenties, lower thirties they're wise enough to realize like to look back at themselves and go, man, I was stupid when I was 22. So I'm, I'm not shocked. We got another young, stupid guy walking in the, in yeah. the locker room right now. I uh, want to thank everybody for the uh, five-star comments and reviews. Again, please leave us that. It helps us get noticed by everybody else. And you're guaranteed to get your questions read if you leave it in a five-star review. Twitter, we appreciate you guys as always. One thing I like to look at the draft is how close did top contenders get to the Patriots? <laughs> I think there is a huge gap between the Patriots and everybody else right now. That's why they're not trading Jimmy Garoppolo because the gap is so wide that if they lose Brady, they could still win with Garoppolo. But if you look at the Patriots draft, Brandon Cooks in the first, Coney Ely in the second. They go Derek Rivers in the third, uh, offensive lineman Antonio Garcia in the fourth, Dwayne Allen in the fifth, uh, Mike Gillisley in the fifth. It's incredible, the guys that they got for those draft picks. More proof that it doesn't matter. But I have a list of, I believe it is seven other teams that I see as the other teams that could be here for the Super Bowl. And Sims, I want to know if you think that they've gained any ground. Chiefs. They get Patrick Mahomes. They get that freak pass rusher from a small school in Passignon. Yep. And they have Kareem Hunt, I believe it is the running back out of Toledo. Mahomes, does that get them any closer uh, to the Patriots this year? Oh, Sims is cooking up something good. Because he loves him some Mahomes. Well, it, we are Mahomes. Man, if Mahomes. Friend of the podcast. Did not, Mahomes, did not do the shooting guns <laughs> at the camera. How dare he? Uh if Mahomes is able to digest this offense and they feel like he's ready, I will not be shocked if we see the old Carson Wentz, Sam Bradford move by Andy Reid, where you know, I'm not saying they're going to trade Alex Smith, but... But I didn't ask that. Do you think Mahomes digest Ma- the playbooks? Will they have a chance to really compete with the Patriots? I think Mahomes could be a game changer if they got into a January matchup against the Kansas uh, against the New England Patriots. Love it. To where at least they they would be scared of a Mahomes coming to town. They're gonna you know, they're not gonna have Charlie check down throwing the ball anymore. Yeah. Uh, so from because that the one thing the Patriots didn't have to face last year, good quarterbacks that could throw it deep. When you looked at their schedule, they never had to play any. Not really, other than Ben Roethlisberger, and they only had to play him in the playoff game. And the first time around, it was uh, Landry Jones. Yes. So you're right. They were they got very lucky to not have to play a lot of top end quarterbacks. So basically, I guess what I'm saying is. No, I don't think they did a whole lot, but if okay. Mahomes can be ready, he can be a guy that can change the dynamic of a game late in December. Or Houston Texans were a team that had the Patriots on the rope in the playoffs. They go to Sean Watson in the first round, trading up to 12. Uh, Zach Cunningham, middle linebacker in the second round, uh, running back out of Texas, Deontay Foreman. Those were their main three picks. Yeah. Did they improve their team to be in within uh, shooting distance of the Patriots? I, I do think they have, yes, and I think Tom Savage at the quarterback position is going to improve them in general as well. But the two things I like, I mean, you talked about Deshaun. I don't think he'll be ready just because of the things we talked about earlier. Uh, but I do like the second-round picks at Cunningham. They do not have a coverage type of linebacker that could run up the seam with a Gronkowski, per se. You're so, right. They had the Broderick McKinney's and, and, and the, the, my man from Jersey here, Cushing. Right? Cushing. Yes. They had a lot of physical linebackers, but right. they didn't have the coverage linebackers. No, so he is a guy that can bring that element. And then Foreman, I, I think, is a great one-two punch with Lamar, Lamar Miller. I well. also think that I look at Lamar Miller and what Deontay Foreman allows them to do 
is a true one-two punch after trying Alfred Blue and all those guys over the years, and they couldn't find anyone to stick. Yep. Uh, this is the kind of guy that if you can run on the Patriots and slow the game down, mm-hmm. you have a chance. No doubt. So I like that a lot. Yep. Next team, the Oakland Raiders. Obviously, this is very dependent on Derek Carr's health, but they go Gary and Conley in the first. Uh, Obi Mellon Fonwu, who I know you love in the second. Yep. Uh, defensive tackle out of UCLA, Eddie Vander does in the third. Yep. And the only other name that I had written down was uh, David Sharp, the offensive tackle out of Florida, just because he's known to play the right side. Right. And that is a constant question about the Raiders with Menelik Watson moving on and Austin Howard's injury issues. It, it but is. Conley and Mellon Fonwu, does that make that secondary Patriots worthy? I, I, I do think it, it helps out greatly. Now, we'll see what happens with you know Gary and Conley and the rest of this whole situation. I mean, Conley uh, was definitely one of my three favorite corners in the draft. Obi Mellon Fonwu was definitely one of my favorite safeties in the draft. I, I mean, like that they have Reggie Nelson and Carl Joseph there, yes. and he might have some time to get spot duty because if his awareness and intelligence can match his physicality, holy shit. Yeah, his physicality, I don't think he's going to have as much transition. Like, you know, that's one thing where I grossly disagreed with Miller. And, yeah, he and the, really did not like Obi Mellon I, I don't know what you can watch and not like about him. I mean, I would have liked to have a long conversation with this about him, but I just there is nothing in the game other than that he's not a knock-your-head-off type hitter, but he makes every tackle. And, and Miller did admit that. Yes. Miller said, you're right, I never saw him miss a tackle. He never misses tackles, and I really I was so impressed with his short area movements and his hips and coverage. I think he's going to be an amazing free safety. I think he's going to have a, a huge impact on their team from day one. I think Call he, me crazy. I don't like my safeties to be big hitters. You know why? Bob Sanders was a big hitter. I, yeah, I hear you. Cam Chancellor is a big hitter. Sure. They get fucking hurt. They get worn out. Because no it's doubt. a fucking car crash. Yeah. Did but he, if you're making tackles and you can cover, you could last 10 right. years. Did he make a call on how close yeah, they got to the Patriots? Yeah, do you think they got closer to the Patriots? They do got closer to the Patriots. I'll tell you, the third round D tackle they got, too. Vander does? Yeah, he was a player. I didn't study him, like, grossly, but I saw enough of him to go, like, he is a... He's a Seattle defensive tackle. And he's, he's a guy 300 pounds plus in a draft where there weren't a ton of right, those guys. Right. Uh, let's go one more team, uh, two more teams in the AFC, the Steelers. They go T.J. Watt. They go Juju Smith-Schuster. They go cornerback Cam Sutton. They stay local with James Conner, the fullback. Yeah. And then Josh Dobbs, people got really excited because he got taken the same pick that Dak Prescott did the year before. But Watt, Juju, so another wide receiver, and then T.J. Watt, did they get closer? They did. They they got closer, and I, I um, listen. I, I was begging for them to even go more secondary stuff. Cameron Sutton is a guy I wish we would have talked about a little bit more before the draft. Really, he's a guy that I didn't really evaluate. Took Corner out late out of in the Tennessee, five eleven, one eighty eight. He's got some legit ability. He was definitely one of the best nickel guys in the draft. He's going to help their secondary. I would be shocked if he doesn't play a, a good amount of time this year. Juju Smith Schuster. You know, uh, yeah, I liked him. I think he is, at the end of the day, going to be a really good slot receiver, like mm. a slot receiver with size. That's how I look at him. He's fearless over the middle. So he's Sammy Coates that can catch, and he's yes. Martavis Bryant without a drug problem. Yeah, and, and he's he plays that physical brand. Of, you know, he was a safety in college originally, so he moved over to wide receiver, and he kind of plays that way. He's quick in space. He can make people miss, but, man, he's really physical and fearless over the middle. He runs through arm tackles. And then T.J. Watt, yeah, I don't know if I would have taken him late in the first round, but nonetheless, the player, the need for what they had, I do think fit that, and they need some. They needed another quality edge defender in their 3-4 scheme. Losing Jarvis Jones and yes. with James Harrison being a 39, but did you see the, the weight he was pushing on that sled? 
No, he had another he has video. a video where he's pushing like twelve hundred pounds on a sled. Yeah. What is he going to do when he retires? He should just be a bodybuilder. He'll still push sleds. He's the kind of guy that I think is addicted to it, so he's never going to change. Uh, the Denver Broncos were a team that we wished made it to the playoffs last year because we thought their defense was elite enough to scare the Patriots. Yes. They go Garrett Bowles in the first. They go Demarcus Walker in the second defensive end out of Florida State. Wide receiver out of Louisiana Tech, Carlos Henderson. Yep. Uh, and then the other names I wrote down was Jake Butt a little bit later. Sure. Uh, and then the, the Mr. Irrelevant was Chad Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of their draft? Are they closer to the Patriots now? They are closer. I don't know how much they're going to be able to depend on Bowles. That would be, but you know, I thought because they're going to need him to perform. I know. I thought Bowles at twenty was a little, little too rich for for my blood. I mean, so Bowles you think is so that raw. will determine whether or not they can compete? Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's going to determine. I think they have enough offensive linemen, and if Menelik Watson could stay healthy, which is an Man, if, I, it's tough. They're going to be okay. I love the Demarcus Walker pick. I love it. I mean. The Demarcus Walker to me was one of the hidden gems of the draft. Uh, I was blown away by his film when I turned it on. I mean, his you brought this up to Miller. Yeah, you said in the NFL they rotate D linemen. Yes, and at college at Florida State he's playing like eighty snaps a game, Hit. and he gets tired in the fourth. Right, he ain't gonna get tired when you're playing twenty five. No, and he's gonna play. Yeah, he'll probably play anywhere from forty to forty five snaps a game. Denver's deep at those positions anyways. They rotate and make sure those guys stay fresh all the time. And he's 280. And that, right. He's got good size. This could be their next Malik Jackson. This, this mm. really could. He is, this kid is legit, man. I'm telling you. I mean, you talk about a great pair of legs. Uh, the power he has, he can win with speed and quickness. Um, and he can do it from the defensive end position. I, honestly, he's a lot like Taco Charlton, except I honestly thought he was a little bit more of an explosive athlete. But I think what bothered people is that, like I said, college football is not realistic to the NFL. This is where scouts mess up sometimes, and they go, oh, well, he gets tired in the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, it's play 97, and he's been out there for 94 of them. Yeah. And it's Florida, and it's 100 degrees. Like, no shit he's tired. Are yeah. you kidding me? Question for the Broncos will be, are they able to protect whichever quarterback plays? Yeah. They did just get Jamal Charles. What kind of a factor can he be? Uh, two teams in the NFC. Was I missing anybody? The only two teams I thought were really Super Bowl contenders were Giants and Packers. Right I, I think the Giants, yeah, that's that's the one team. I Giants was... go out there. We've already talked about Ingram. We've yep. t- Dalvin Tomlinson, the defensive tackle to Alabama. They're like hoping it. he replace Hankins. Yep. And then Davis Webb in the third and Wayne Gallman in the fourth. Right. How prepared are they? To compete with the Patriots, uh, the Giants might. I'm not so sure if they're not the most Patriots-ready team out there. I think so too. I mean, just when you I really fucking hate saying it, but they're really good. Yeah, when you just evaluate the secondary, but they didn't really D-line. help the offensive line. No, they didn't the help the linebackers. That'll be the one. And issue. that was, I thought, their two biggest issues. Yes, the linebacker issue. It, it's been talked about a lot here up in New York, but it's really not as big. Well, then an what issue. about this offensive line issue? Yeah, the offensive line. It's the same. They're gonna they're they're gonna have to do some juggling and. You know, it depends on what they do with guys like Fluker. And, is and there Eric any Flowers, chance that with Ingram and Marshall, the offense can be a three-step system to take pressure off of the O-lineman? Yes. I mean, that, and in a lot of ways, like you just said earlier, D-slant or, you know, slant flat. slant flat. That's what this offense is for the most part. Um, but, yes, the Giants are ready, man. There's no doubt. And losing Hankins and getting a guy like Tomlinson who has some knee concerns, but it's another big body. I mean, yes. the Giants are the type of team that – 
you know, they, they you just really look at them and they, they can do anything you want. Oh, we got to get big against the Cowboys? Sure. Oh, we got to get small and fast against the Redskins? Sure. Yes. I mean, uh, they're very versatile in that manner. Last one, the Packers, I put them in there because it's Aaron Rodgers, so they're always in the Super Bowl hunt. Uh, they start off with their second-round pick, first pick of the second round after their trades. Kevin King, corner, Josh Jones, safety, Montrevious Adams, D-tackle. Uh, I put down Jamal Williams, running back, uh, because they need to replace uh, Eddie Lacy. And then I also wrote down their seventh round pick Malachi Dupree just because they never have quarterbacks in LSU and I think he's pretty talented but King Josh Jones Montrevious Adams can that defense now not let up 35 to 40 points a game with I those guys I I do I, I really do Kevin King's gonna be an easy plug and play type of guy because he's a guy that you're not gonna ask to go out and be a nickel back or or do anything like that it's really just gonna be hey big guy you line up outside and don't let anybody deep behind you or match up against the number one receiver, whoever that may be. Um, Josh Jones, you know my thoughts about Josh Jones. I mean, I'll be shocked if he's not their starting safety right off the bat. Wow. Because a guy that's 221 pounds. And remember, Darian Thompson's coming back from injury, so we'll see how he does too. But now you've got three athletic safeties uh, with, uh, what's his name, out of Alabama, who was incredible. Yeah, Ha Ha Clinton Dix, yes. No, excuse me, I'm talking about Green Bay. I was talking about the Giants. Oh, okay, yeah, you're talking about, yeah, it's all right. No, but they did re-sign Morgan Burnett. The yes. Packers did. So yeah, yeah. they uh, their their big thing is the corner position and guys like really the big questions are Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins. Yes, because what will they be at this part of their career? Yes, I, you know I just don't know if they're true corners. I, I that's that's the big question for me. I had four GMs that were on the hot seat. Uh, the Jets, Mike McCagnan, Washington's Bruce Allen, Carolina's Dave Gettleman. Obviously, he's not on the hot seat. He always seems safe, but a lot of people have been questioning him. And the Cleveland Browns, Sashi Brown, just because everyone's questioning analytics. Yeah. And I think it's very interesting that all four, I thought, did really, really well. The Jets go out there and take Jamal Adams and Marcus May, and they kind of change the identity of that defense with our Darius Stewart in the third. Washington, Bruce Allen, I thought, had one of the best drafts, right. even though he's probably using Scott McLuhan's notes. Jonathan Allen. Allen fell to him. Ryan Anderson, I know you really like out of Alabama. Yes. And then to get Fabian Moreau in the third. Oh. Uh, and Samaji Pirine at running back. It was a great draft. Yes. Carolina going out there and getting Christian McCaffrey and then also Curtis Samuel. Yeah. And we talked about this earlier. That offense could be really freaking dynamic. Yes. Where if you think about Greg Olson, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Kelvin Benjamin, what are you going to do? They finally have that triple option. Am I handing it off, throwing it? I think Carolina. Carolina could be a league leader in points scored next year. And then the Cleveland Browns, albeit Jabril Peppers, but Miles Garrett, Njoku, Deshaun Kaiser in the second round. I think all four of the GMs on the hot seat drafted well. Who do you think drafted the best out of those? Man, I I think you're you're right. They're all really well. I'm going to say the Jets. I'm going to just cancel them out right now. Even though I love like Marcus May as a player and all those picks, I just think there was other guys in the secondary, other positions they could have addressed. I would have liked – they already got the strong safety in Jamal Adams. Why not go like Obi Melanfonwu then at the second pick? Have or your corner. Sh- or corner, right. So there was guys on the board there where I just look at, like, listen, I really like Marcus May, but they got basically the same guy in their first two picks. Uh, the Browns, they knocked it out of the park, really, in my eyes. Yes, Jabril Peppers a little earlier than maybe I want, but still, Jabril Peppers is going to contribute to that team in a lot of ways. Sure. So that's going to help them yeah, out. Especially if it's special teams, too. Right. You could have got the Sh- you, Deshaun Kaiser can literally be their starting quarterback by, by the start of the year here. 
Guys like you know, I'm really? gonna mess up his name. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm uh, who who are you gonna Cody Kessler? Who are you gonna? I just didn't think Kaiser was gonna be ready. I didn't think you were that high. Well, on. they all stink there, so they they got a little issue there. Yeah. I mean, they got Osweiler who can't throw, and you got Cody Kessler and who, Hogan and Chris Hogan who right really can't throw either. So Not Chris Kevin Kevin Hogan, Stanford guy. Get your white. Uh, white boy people. supremes. Yeah, white boy supremes. You can't be. You know, he's not a white boy supreme. Though. He's not supreme enough a quarterback no. to be a white boy supreme. Um, but they got also like uh, you know they, I'm gonna Ogan Joby, however you say, from North Carolina Charlotte. Yeah, he's a good little defensive tackle, man. He really is. Yeah, so he's like gonna help Howard him. Wilson out of Houston too. Right. So they, I look at it. I'm just gonna be a little hesitant because I feel like we've been giving the Browns a lot of A's these last few years yeah. for their drafts, and then they don't always pan out. The Justin Gilberts and all these guys. Um, um, all right, so there were three new GMs. Oh, by the way, the GMs on the hot seat, um, Bills fired, so right. kind of on the hot seat. Redskins, uh, I love it too, though, like you were saying. They were great. Yeah. The new GMs, Niners and Lynch, Jaguars, and I put Coughlin because he's kind of running that ship now, and the Colts, Ballard. Yeah. Lynch was the best of those three, but I thought all three, again, really good drafts. Yes, they did. Um, I think if you just start on Ohio, I mean, the uh, the the – the Colts with what they did, getting Malik Hooker out of Ohio State. You know, you're going to have him with, like, the guy I liked last year coming out of Clemson, T.J. Green. Green, who's got phenomenal speed like Malik Hooker. They're going to have the fastest safety combo in football, uh, and they both have pretty good size as well. Quincy Wilson's a guy that's going to contribute right away. Now, you know, you have to be careful about keeping him on an island too much in man-to-man coverage. But we talked about this. When you have T.J. Green who ran a 4-3 something yes. and Malik Hooker they're on a 4-3-1, no you can have a slower cornerback in Quincy Wilson because he's got all that help over the top. He exactly could be right. the physical guy that he's supposed to he be. He could be, uh, no doubt about it. And I'm not a guy like Quincy Wilson, he could be a guy that could be like – he could be your nickel too. So mm-hmm. he, he has that versatility because he's a very good tackler. Uh, but then even the, the Terrell Basham kid they got out of Ohio – He's a good little player, man. I mean, he was definitely one of the better edge defensive ends in the whole draft mm. and has upside coming along. Uh, we talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, come on. Leonard Fournette, Cam Robinson. I love those first two picks. I mean, Cam Robinson, is he's going to start and move people out of the way right yes. off the bat. And then, you know, the D.D. Westbrook guy, he's interesting, man. I mean, they obviously felt comfortable about him, but... Yeah. You know, if there weren't for the off-the-field issues, I know we talked about it a while ago when I did the wide receiver stuff. His film was about as impressive as it gets at the wide receiver position. I mean, it was it was every bit as good as the top-tier guys, except he's 175 pounds. Yeah. And then who was our other last GM there? Colts, Jags, and what was the last one? Uh, Lynch. John Lynch. We've already talked about it. They fucking killed it. They killed it. All yes. right, so the only other thing that happened, too, is the first draft that we covered was uh, the Jadavian Clowney draft. Mm-hmm. And now teams have to make decisions on fifth-year options. Uh, there are nine guys that didn't get the fifth-year option. Three that were cut, Justin Gilbert, we later learned, had major off-the-field issues. Yep. Johnny Manziel, we later learned, had major off-the-field issues. Both of those picked acquired for Sammy Watkins, who also didn't get a fifth-year option. And Dominique Easley was cut by the Patriots, who was now on the uh, L.A. Rams, I believe. But the five, the six guys that were elected not to get one, Teddy Bridgewater, that injury is sounding worse and worse. Yep. Marcus Smith, not as productive for the Eagles. Calvin Pryor, safety for the Jets. They just took two safeties. Kyle Fuller, I find to be very surprising, just from what we expected. Greg Robinson, the tackle that we thought had high expectations, but adapting from the Gus Malzahn offense to an NFL offense. I guess his eyes weren't right there. And then Sammy Watkins is, I think, the big name, but it's been injury concerns. Which of these are the most shocking to you? I mean, I think if, you know, like, 
that that hasn't panned out like you thought it would because you were high on Watkins, you were high on Robinson, you were high on Fuller. Yes. Gilbert, we didn't know. I would probably say Robinson, though, would be the guy I was, I'm most shocked about. That's like, it, it's, it's not, there's not been a lot of good to talk about. And he was a guy that I thought was physically gifted enough to... Could make up for that stuff. No doubt about it. And that's just, it's not the case. Like, like we talked about a little bit on Facebook Live earlier today, it's just... The game of the NFL, adjusting to it, being a step ahead of what you think is going to come. That's where like the mental aspect of the game comes because you're taught in the NFL, like if you're in this defensive alignment, these are the blitzes they can bring, and you know that, and these are the stunts they like to do. And he he always seems slow to pick that up. Technique seems to be an issue, falling off blocks and being lazy with his feet at times. All those things are issues. So that, I think if you just asked me a few years ago, I would have been like, man, Greg Robinson will definitely get his fifth-year option picked yes. up. Of course, Sammy Watkins as well. But, but he's hurt all the time. But he's, and that's brilliant uh, on their part. Uh, it's smart because, yeah, if he gets hurt again, you owe him that money. Guaranteed. The thing that's tough with Sammy Watkins, Odell Beckham Jr., Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks, Allen Robinson, there were so many wide receivers in the draft that he was supposed to be the guaranteed guy, and now he's the only one not getting his fifth-year option picked. Yep. But there's one guy that did get his fifth-year option picked that you can't fucking believe. No. Blake Bortles is going to get $19 million to be the fifth-round pick. To me, this feels like the Kirk Cousins. We don't want to deal with it right now. We have a really good team. We shouldn't upset Blake Bortles. We need his confidence to be at an all-time high. Yeah, I, but, and and I, you think this is the reason why teams hate quarterbacks. Well, uh, no or doubt. players hate quarterbacks. Player, yeah, this is, the, he's ex- this is the exact reason guys in a locker room hate the quarterback position. I'm not saying they actually hate the players, but they hate for what it stands for and how they get free passes with certain bullshit out there. Um, Yes, I mean, listen, the Sammy Watkins thing, just to hit back on that, he could tear it up and stay healthy, and then week 14 they go, you know what, you had a great year and you're healthy, we're going to give you a long-term deal or give you something like that. Or he could get a franchise. Right, so this is not out of the right. Now, your thing with Blake Bortles, Hey, first of all, it does sound a lot like Kirk Cousins, except one thing. Kirk Cousins can play, and Blake Bortles can't. So that's the difference there. And Blake Bortles, yeah, I just don't understand Jacksonville's thinking here. And, yes, to your point of this is why, you know, why for some reason quarterbacks and head coaches aren't allowed to have the lame duck season. Oh, we don't want to hurt their feelings. But it's okay if a left tackle or the defensive tackle or the defensive end has a lame duck yeah, season. Yeah, Sheldon Richardson has or, to no, play with swirling No, you got to work and doubts. prove it to us. But no, we don't want our quarterback to feel uncomfortable yeah, out Alex there. Yeah, Alex Smith. Like, get Bortles. the hell out of here with that bullshit. That's why it is exactly why NFL players hate for what, what the quarterback stands for. Alex Smith was Because voting. your highest paid lo- guy in their locker room is about to be one of the worst players in their locker room. And they're going to all walk by him going, damn, you suck. Damn, we never score first-half touchdowns that you do at quarterback. Damn, we never win games. Damn, you're the king of garbage time stats. And you're making $19 million a year. And I'm Jalen Ramsey on the outside or whoever else that's one of the best of my position, and I'm making $6 million a year. Or, I'm, worth- or I'm Chris Ivory, and I'm making two. Right. So, And then to me, the next level of this conversation goes, first of all, $19 million, great. If he gets hurt week 14, you're stuck with him because it's gar- you can rescind this offer, but it's guaranteed through injury only. So if he gets hurt in week 14 and he can't pass a physical the first day of the 2018 league year, he makes $19 million. Bam, no matter what, you're screwed. And my last and final point would be, who the hell in the NFL was going to pay Blake Bortles $19 million a year? That's who, the truth. Who are you negotiating against? Where? Who? Oh, 
well, I mean, the Houston Texans might come in and steal our good-for-nothing crappy quarterback. Or what? The, what is, so what was the point? To me, that was an ego decision it was either to protect, by the owner. It was to avoid all the questions in mini camp and training camp about, Blake, you're not under contract next season. How do you feel? Now he doesn't have to answer those questions, but it's like, was Maybe that worth Maybe he needs 19- to answer them because, like, him not having to answer any questions doesn't seem to be a – affecting anything so maybe he needs like to be questioned every day for his play yeah and again i don't like to sit here and buy a bag on blake borders i keep i feel bad because we we kill this guy a lot it's really about jacksonville and them you, being you so always said though it's not about blake it's, it's, it's about, about where the he was stupid drafted. jaguars picking him Caldwell. at number three that is what's stupid here and then, then them not being able to close the yearbook on this dream they have of blake Bortles and what he could be this is what drives me crazy about first-round picks. They get nine lives, first-round picks. That's what I thought was so interesting when Jabril Peppers got picked in the first round is we'll never be able to see the projection of his career because he'll always be first-round pick no, Jabril Peppers. You're a first he'll round, get so many opportunities. No doubt, first-round pick. Which he, I'm glad he is. Yes, and he deserves it. He's been through it's a crazy. rough life. It's crazy. The quarterbacks in that, that Blake Bortles draft. Blake Bortles gets a fifth-year option. Who knows why? Johnny Manziel's not in the league. Teddy Bridgewater may never play again. And Derek Carr doesn't need to worry about a fifth-year option because he was picked in the second he round. About to get paid, Mobaga. He is. Uh, Nick Saban getting eleven million dollars a year. Thank you. <laughs> Good. I mean, what, there's no Alabama football unless there's Nick Saban right now. He revived the program. They're the second richest football program. Belichick salary. Behind Texas. Belichick salary is not public. Do you think he's making near Saban? I think, or do you think Belichick can walk into Kraft and be like, I need to make more money than Saban? I think Belichick could be getting paid off the books. I wouldn't be shocked. I really wouldn't be. I do think that goes on in the NFL more than people probably realize to where like maybe Mr. Kraft's paying him through some other form of business and it doesn't show up on NFL paperwork. Yeah. So I do think that could happen. My big point is this. Last, Jim Harbaugh. Made more money than Nick Saban last year. Jim Harbaugh ain't done shit. I mean, shit. He's the most overrated coach in American sports right now. He's a really good coach. Yeah. But we put him on a pedestal with Urban Meyer and Nick Saban constantly. These colleges pay for retainer. These colleges pay for, like, no one else coming and touching them. They get paid money so that they don't get wooed other places. That's fine. And Harbaugh is a lever. He's, he is he a ditches leaper, people. sure. So I feel like it's almost like trying to hold him down. But I agree. Compared to the Urban Meyers and the Nick Sabres, even the Dabo Sweeney's, what has he done? He should not make more money. He's a really good football coach. But, I mean, every time I turn on a big game when Jim Harbaugh is coaching, they lose. That's all I could say. Championship game, yeah, Super Michigan Bowl. Michigan people love Stanford, to see the Wolverines games. on oh, yeah. TV. Yeah, you guys, Wolverines, you guys keep going on those field trips. Ohio State will keep practicing football. You guys go worried about the Pope Give stuff to the Pope. Italy. But I don't want to hear about it next year when Ohio State beats, try to win a game this de- decade against Ohio State, and then we'll get into this conversation, okay? But yes, he is overrated from that standpoint. That's what bothered me about the Nick Saban thing, even last year. When I heard Harbaugh was making more money than him and Urban Meyer, who Saban and Urban Meyer are definitely two of the five greatest head coaches in the history of college That's football. why everyone that talks about Saban or Urban Meyer going to the NFL 
Saban is getting paid twice as much as most NFL quarterbacks with full autonomy, with no questions asked, NFL coaches, with full autonomy of the program, with complete say, and a competitive advantage because he gets better players than everyone else without free agency, without a salary cap. He can spend as much money as he wants to, and he doesn't have to draft players. He goes and chooses his players. Why go to the NFL? No doubt. If you want to coach, why go to the NFL when you're making $11 million a year? It's awesome. What did Kyle sign for? I think he got six six years, $30 million. So five. I, what it, so either five. All, all I know is he's paying for dinner when we he go better out. Fucking he better. is. He's paying for everything. Uh, last <laughs> thing is when we got into an argument on the draft that I needed Josh's uh, insight here. Uh, Miller and Rogers have a podcast, Stick to Football, on the Bleach Report Network, whatever, and yep. they talked about having Nelson on to do on the down low. I need to know, do we own the copyright? For on the down low with Steven Nelson as it started here. And then two, we've had a lot of people in the comment section saying, bring them back. Do we want to do an on the down low next week? Because I think it's kind of like Marvel, Capcom, Spider-Man. We need to make a movie every two to three years yep. to retain his rights because I do not want on the down low gunning to the other podcast. That is a Sims and Lefko staple. Hell yeah. We own the copyright. That okay. Is a, so they that can't is a take Sims that. Sims and Lefko podcast original. Uh, and, yeah, let's do it. I'll talk to Nelson. We'll get him on next week. Okay. Let's do it. Sims really saved his anger for the end of this podcast. Well, you get me on Harbaugh. Harbaugh I think. Bortles. I, it, it's That's not right. Harbaugh. It's no, not it's Bortles. More, it's not Bortles. It's, it's what it that goes into Bortles. But, yes, the Harbaugh thing is it's Harbaugh. Mm, I mean, I, I'm just I'm sick of Michigan football ever since he's been there. I don't like Jim Harbaugh. You guys know that, period. Yeah. And, uh yeah, I just, you know, uh, and I'm kind of sick of his antics altogether, and I think he's a little bit overrated. Really good football coach, but we talk about him like he's won, like, the last seven national championships I really genuinely believe that college coaches sometimes also get graded on the publicity scale. How much visibility can you get yes. our college program? And nobody gets on TV more than Harbaugh, whether it's his commercials or his sayings or drinking milk or buying a selfie stick or Greg going Giano, to Rome. A+. Plus. Great. Dominated the visibility scale at Rutgers. I wish he would come back. Yeah, you're telling me, buddy. But no, they're they're coaching football in the middle of Ohio right now. They're not on field trips. Uh, yes, I'm yeah. well aware. Right. Uh, fun as always. Uh, one thing that I also found very fun, I subscribe to the BR app. It is no longer the Team Stream app. It is the BR you su- app. You subscribe to it or you download it? I downloaded it, uh, I, but on my channels, I have every NFL team, and my phone on Saturday was blowing up with all the picks that were coming in for all the Me teams. Me too, man. It was just constant vibration sims i think only has the kim Kardashian, the kim moji app i don't have that either. i don't think what other apps he has but definitely go and download the br app they're doing a lot of things that are very exclusive uh, i think game of zones is the best thing that we do at this company and the only place that you could watch it is on the br app yep. and they come out guess what every Thursday, so make sure this podcast should be coming out on Thursday, watch it on Thursday. I know you can watch Game of Zones elsewhere, but you get it first on the BR app. Yeah. Uh, so check out the BR app. We did a whole new logo. It's a whole new interface. Uh, when I need to know what games are on TV, I go to the scores and schedule. I'm not even going to lie. i got to start using the app. i got to start using the website in general. You know, I work for the company. I never go on either. I never we do either. We had to teach Sims how, what sharing on Facebook was. All I know is those dudes the malmets who write up the game of zones 
They're for real. They're funny dudes. I haven't watched the first episode yet. I'm going to catch up There's here. There's been two. There's been two, so I'm going to catch up. Uh, Sims this just week, went my week so off. Jersey there. But the Malamuts. They're funny dudes. <laughs> Good. good, I took people. them Arreos. No, but definitely check out the BR app. And uh, guys, everyone that's been leaving the reviews, there's definitely been a pickup. Five-star reviews help us. And again, if you comment or a question on the five-star reviews, if you make fun of Fendrick, we're definitely going to read it. No doubt. But get it in there because that will take precedence over Twitter. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. And honestly, like we're starting to get in the summer. So when you're laying out on the beach, you're going for a walk, you need a podcast, recommend us to your friends because we're trying to make this shit as big as possible. The numbers continue to grow, and it's all because of you guys. We love you. We appreciate it. For Sims. Peace out, homies. For Fendrick. Good night, everybody. I am Lefko. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy your day. Love you all very much.